Welcome to the Fat Guys with Smokers podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm John. We're a couple of overweight barbecue enthusiasts trying to share our love for sweet, smoky food with the world. Thanks for hanging out with us as we talk about life, share recipes, successes, and failures that have all led to our love of cooking outdoors. Well, welcome everybody to the Fat Guys with Smokers podcast. I'm Mike. I'm here with John. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing dandy. This is a great way to start the day with a podcast about barbecue. Every day should start with barbecue. I agree. 100% breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, uh, so depending on exactly when we launch this, the Super Bowl is coming up. So wanted to kind of start off just what are you cooking for the super bowl super bowl is always a good time to try new recipes or you know just cook for people so what do you got on the docket you know i've only started thinking about this a little bit and it like thanksgiving has always been my favorite holiday sure but the planning for thanksgiving is like my favorite part. Yeah. Same thing with the Super Bowl. Like, there are going to be two teams that go and play football. They're probably teams that I don't care about because the Bears can't get anything done. No. Thanks for nothing, back office. <laughs> um, but the planning is like exciting. And I think, I think my rib game is finally getting to the point where I think I can pull off a McRib. Oh, explain. So the, everyone knows the McRib comes back every five years because McDonald's thinks it's going to be great. Everyone rushes out, they buy it. They realize it's disgusting. It's garbage. (laughs) That it's nothing but compressed meat parts. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know what it is. They sweep up the floor and kind of grind it up and put it in a patty. Yeah. It's a hungry man dinner from, from (laughs) McDonald's, but I want to make a McRib at home. So smoke a rack of ribs, get the bones out of them, great bread, pickles, onions, slice it up. I, for me, the Super Bowl is all about finger foods. Yeah. So having a having a small sandwich mm. that you can grab pieces, sliders I think are awesome there. Um, mm-hmm. Those King Hawaiian rolls that you cut in half and you layer with a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. You can do all sorts of different flavors there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's going to be a McRib this time. I think I love it. Have you watched Malcolm Reed's video on the McRib? I have. It looks phenomenal. I've never tried it, but I've wanted to. Yeah. I, I have always, I've had a hard time with ribs. Like that's one of the meats that I struggle with the most and getting it so that I can pull those bones all the way out without making a total mess of the of the rest of the meat. Yeah, that's what I'd be nervous about is pulling like they make it look so easy, but I feel like I would just destroy things. Yeah, trying to pull it out. I will I will tell more once I've tried it a couple more times, but I think I'm getting close. I think I know what I need to do hmm. to achieve the bone slide. That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm excited. But, I'm excited for you. Well, that's because you're probably going to get to have some of it. I mean, I wasn't going to just say that but i hope so no that's if uh, not we're not friends anymore so. that's uh that's gonna make this podcast awkward yeah <laughs> <laughs> we 
Well, what a- John made something, and I was not invited, so whatever. Yeah. What uh? What about you? What's on your menu? Well, I've done a lot of things, kind of like you. Like, <laughs> I played football in high school. I love football. But the Super Bowl, for my family, has always just kind of been a party, a chance to get together and, and do things. And that's kind of where I experiment the most, just because, you know, I've got a small family at home, and so... Cooking crazy things, a lot of times the kids don't eat it, and either I end up eating all of it, which is not needed for my beautiful physique, um, or it gets wasted. So when we get together with family, that's kind of my opportunity to try stuff. And I've done, last year, I made a chili um, where I smoked smoked a chuck roast the day before, cubed it up, threw it in there, used... I think it was meat church. I was going to say, did you use the yeah. meat church chili? Yeah, it was your dad that suggested that. I was going to come together with some concoction that I was just going to try to throw together, but I just used that meat church chili. Man, that was bomb. It was very good. I've uh, I've had a lot of chili. I'm a big fan of chili. Mm-hmm. And that spice mix, man, is oh, it is it's it so really good. Is. It's the perfect mixture, I think, of like heat, but also kind of... I don't know if sweet's the right word, but just kind of balances itself out. Man, it was good. I was a big fan. But I was just thinking about this last night, and I haven't done any research, but um, I used to make egg rolls for the Super Bowl. I learned how to make egg rolls when I was a missionary serving among the Hmong people. Uh, And they're, I mean, delicious. And I wondered last night as I was walking my dog, doing my deep thinking, could I incorporate, could you smoke egg rolls i mean i know the crispy skin might be an issue but i was just thinking if you could incorporate some barbecue flavors into an egg roll so that's what i'm thinking right now i have no formal plans but well i wonder would you learn about it would you smoke the like the prepared egg roll or would you smoke the ingredients that go into the egg roll see that's what i'm thinking you'd never be able to get a crispy skin i mean you could try it like on the vortex on the weber Ooh. Maybe I could try that, like a convection type of deal. But I was thinking I would smoke the ingredients and then just wrap it and fry it like normal. Yeah. But now I'm wondering if I try to like... Because the Vortex on the Weber, have you used that? I, I've i used it a couple of times. You turned me on to it and I ordered one. Yeah. But I... It, your charcoal game's way better than mine is. Well, I don't know about that, but... I have used it for like chicken wings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it crisps up okay. So I wonder if you could try that and then you wouldn't fry it in oil but you would just put it on the weber i don't know all this is i should have thought about this before i just started talking about it but um, yeah, that's, that's where some of that's the best ideas come out of yeah right i'm like making mental notes to myself as i'm discussing this with you yeah the only thing that i'd be worried about trying to use a vortex or like a smoker to get them crispy mm-hmm. so Cold and wet are the two things that attract smoke flavor, right? Yeah. Um, that's why you should always start with cold meat when you're doing low and slow, the whole bring it up to room temperature thing. Mm-hmm. Makes sense when you're hot and fast, but low and slow, I I always start straight out of the fridge. Interesting, because it attracts the smoke flavor yeah, more. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, someone's going to add at me and tell me that I'm, I'm wrong. But I hope they do. I hope we get in fights. <laughs> we were talking about this this morning. Somebody's listening. <laughs> yeah, if we can elicit a response, it means that somebody's listening. Yeah. Um, 
I just worry, and maybe it'd be fine with the Vortex because it'd be so hot. I just worry mm-hmm. that you'd get that like sooty taste on it. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. But I'm I'm like sitting over here like salivating, thinking about like a a shredded pork, maybe with a little bit of coleslaw. Yeah, some coleslaw in it. So it wouldn't be like the traditional no, no. Like poison sauce and stuff like that, but it would just be straight up maybe barbecue for the dipping sauce yeah. instead of that sweet or, chili sauce. Dude, go hoisin. I I love hoisin. I do too. I've got a Chinese five spice rub and hoisin. I think it's a blackberry hoisin dipping sauce what? for chicken wings. Ooh, that sounds good. Dude. So good. Man, I love... Anyway, I'm thinking now. This could be really interesting, but we'll see. It could be an epic failure. Either way, I'll take pictures, probably some videos. Yeah. Share them with our vast audience, and they can enjoy the failure or enjoy the success with me. Yeah. And now I'm going to cross cultures here, but you said hoisin, and my mind immediately goes to Peking Duck. Mm. And doing that in egg rolls. Oh. I've never done that. I don't know much about it. Um, yeah, Peking duck, like it's a Chinese preparation of duck that you would not want to go hunting around here and use one yeah. of the local ducks. Like this would say, have to our, be a farm. Our ducks taste farm like mud. Yeah, that's what happens when they live in the in the marsh in the swamp. Yeah. But, all right. Well, yeah. I'm excited for the Super Bowl now. Yeah. I don't care who's playing, but no, it's probably I'm, not going to be the Packers and the Bears. So no, we're gonna we're just gonna enjoy the food mostly. I think. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, but so last time we talked a lot about uh, pellet grills, how they work, pros and cons. Uh, today we said we we're going to talk about stick burners, offsets, drums. This is really the live fire. You've got way more experience in, so I'm going to ask the questions as I don't understand things and. You tell us about these. Well, and I want to just be clear. I feel like the two of us, we're not experts. We're kind of, we enjoy it. We love it. We do our research. We're not idiots. But, uh, you know, don't take our word for it. Go out and try stuff. Because I feel like that's when you figure out what works for you and what you like. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But I, I'm happy to share my experience. But I don't want to come across as like a, seasoned 30-year pit master or anything like that yeah and we also we forgot to introduce our unofficial un, unsponsored reverse sponsor maverick keeping Absolutely. us hydrated with great libations this morning oh delicious we didn't i told john when i brought these over i said i don't mean to sound like an alcoholic but i feel like this will just help the conversation flow a little bit so and they do caffeine and bubbles yep make me happy that's all we need all right, so let's let's get into it, Mike. Sure. So I did a little research on stick burners in general. Um, I mean, my my I don't know if you call it expertise. My experience is with drums, offsets. We both love. We both. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there, but I kind of wanted to start with how it all started. Um, and so. Obviously, it all stems from when we started cooking over a fire. And did you know, I've, I figured this out, the earliest evidence of humans cooking on a fire 
is in Israel, and they discovered it a few years ago, and they carbon dated it at 780,000 years ago. People started cooking stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. I thought that was wild. And it mentioned that that probably was a turning point in, I don't know, the evolutionary history of, of humankind. Which makes me wonder, how many people do you think died of, like, salmonella and E. coli before they were like, maybe we should just put this over the fire and see what happens? You know what I mean? Well, and I, who was the first guy that was like, I'm tired of cold meat. Yeah. I don't want, like, and thought, like, hmm. Maybe I should do this. Was it one of those like happy accidents where he he like trips and <clears throat> throws it in the fire, and then they're like, "Oh, this is actually I've got amazing. nothing to eat now. I'm starving," and someone's like gnawing on the <laughs> on the burnt Christmas. Like this actually, maybe if we don't do it so long, this could be really good. Yeah, I always wonder like who was the first one to just be like, "Let's try this and see what happens," or if it was like accidentally tripped it got hooked on a tree limb above the fire cooked perfectly and they were like okay we get it now there's obviously no evidence to prove this i just want to like think and feel in my heart of hearts it was a fat guy that did it oh absolutely it had to have been right we are clumsy and we love experimenting with food so it had to have been yeah rolling down a hill Throws the dinosaur ribs up, they get caught on a tree, cooked perfectly, and then everybody respected him as a man. Dino ribs. Dino. Legitimate dino ribs. <laughs> like on the Flintstones. Um, anyway, so obviously once they started cooking with fire, early barbecue, like the way we know it, smoked and everything. They used it to preserve meat. They also used it to cook, obviously. Um, but they dug legitimate pits, which is why a lot of these um, barbecues are called pit masters, or they call them the barbecue pit, because they dug a pit in the ground. Um, and obviously they could use direct heat where they just had kind of a makeshift grill early with sticks or whatever. Um, but then they started digging a side pit and a tunnel into it, and that was kind of the the beginnings of just directing that smoke and heat into the meat chamber instead of just direct heating oh. over top of it. So makes total sense. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. So, uh, so anyway, I thought we'd start with kind of drums, uh, drum smokers. So drum smokers are direct heat smokers. I mean, you can talk about deflector shields. That sounds like star Wars, not deflector. Uh, I guess deflector plates. I don't yeah. Know. Um, they kind of deflect the heat and kind of bring it up over top instead of right underneath it but in my mind you can't cook on a drum and not call it direct heat like it's just not going to be the same as if you had your heat in one chamber moving into the cooking chamber so i think that's fair i i mean that's kind of what i was thinking so basic setup of a drum smoker uh oh and also history of drum smokers was kind of hard to to find most people were just like well as soon as barrels came out people started using them for cooking things i mean they were a vertical thing where you could put a fire in the bottom and cook on they were basically the first grills and so um anyway uh, you have kind of a charcoal basket to hold your charcoal uh i like to 
keep mine up off the ground a little bit so air can get underneath it and feed it. Uh, you control the air, you control the heat with the intake vents at the bottom that kind of go in, the fire sucks that in, and then the heat goes up. Um, one of the benefits of this is that they're really actually pretty efficient. Uh, I was watching one guy that said a 12, 12 pounds of charcoal, which isn't a ton, uh, you know, a little more than half of those 20 pound bags that you can buy will run. If you can dial it into like 225, it'll run for 20 hours, they said. That's crazy. Yeah. That's one of the things that's always turned me off from drums. Definitely turned me off on the Brinkman. Mm-hmm. Freaking Brinkman. They're gonna... <laughs> Brinkman. Brinkman's going to come at us. Bring it on, Brinkman. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to our first episode. Yeah. Episode one, John slams Brinkman. Like, took all of their dignity and pride and just flushed it down the toilet. I'm pretty sure I chalked it up to not knowing what I was doing, but... <laughs> no, no. It was I, all the equipment. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'll ever ever have another Brinkman. <laughs> Um, but so barrels, even like the, the big green eggs, those Komodo mm-hmm. or Komodo grills, like having to add fuel to them seems like a real big, like a pain in the butt. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing for ribs, if you had to, and I, really anything you take it off to wrap anyway, when you take it off to wrap it, you could always pull your grill out and add some more. But, I mean, yeah, but I don't know. Going back to being fat and clumsy, mm-hmm. like I would burn the crap out of myself trying to take the grate off, move the deflector plate. Yeah. Like getting back down to the basket is. There are layers of things that you'd have to move to get there. Like I would, right. I would screw that up. Well, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's not the same, but I, I feel like when you first start burning charcoal, there's that black, sooty kind of stage it has to get past before it's a nice clean smoke and so adding that cold charcoal i think sometimes will add a little bit of that of course once you're wrapping i guess the smoke process is over and you're just kind of heating things but i don't know and that's another thing i have on here uh lump versus briquette what are your thoughts um we talked about this with what was it? Episode two mm-hmm. with the, so. with, with the, the pig. pig. Yeah. Um, I think you can get a, you can get some different flavors with lump, mm-hmm. but I mean, lump is, it's just wood that they've already started the burning process for you on. Right. That in the bag, you're going to have a variety of consistencies. Like that's the nice thing about briquettes, especially like I'm a Kingsford guy when it comes to it. As am I. Their briquettes are so flipping consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got my start in outdoor cooking with Dutch ovens. Yeah, and there is a there is an exact science of how many briquettes on the top and on the bottom for the size of the Dutch oven. Right, that you can dial it in and you can bake perfectly because the temperature is so exact. They burn so consistently. You don't have to worry about getting a really dense briquette versus. Uh, a less dense briquette that's going to burn hotter or colder that. So I think that's, that's the difference is you may get more flavor, but if you're not as experienced or you're worried about temperature fluctuations, I'd, I'd stay away from lump. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of been my experience as well. And 
with lump, sometimes there's, I mean, I always use Royal Oak, which I, I love and I have no problem with. That's just what's readily available in our area at Walmart. And so that's what well, I go for. And I know I think there's they're, higher stuff, but I think they do okay. I think they're kind of like the OGs, aren't they? Like, didn't they kind of start that? I don't, that's what I understand, but at least, you know, they're just what I've used. Yeah. But sometimes when you open that bag and you're pouring stuff out, I mean, you're, like John said, you're getting a different consistency and you also will get like some nails in there. Maybe if they're using pallet wood or, you know, I've got a couple rocks in there a couple of times. And so, you know, and I'm not like blaming them. I think it's just a process and that happens sometimes. But because of that, the way that all those things burn is going to be way different than briquettes who are, which are compressed, same size, same density, everything. Is there a flavor difference? I mean, I'm making that as an assumption ba- like based Here's on other opinion. experience. But and I was thinking about this last night, and maybe it's just in my head, but like the briquettes, I always get kind of a chemically hint to it. And again, I know that like if you use, I never use starting fluid or anything like that. I would highly advise against that. that I was like, Say it, Mike. Say yeah. you don't use starting fluid. We're going to get it. Yeah, I don't I just pour gasoline on it. And sometimes it tastes like gas. No, but... And so... And maybe that's just in my head. Because, you know, when I've had briquettes and they're started with that starting fluid, a lot of people say it just burns off and it's not a big deal. But I can always kind of tell. Yeah. If nothing else, if you were around it when it cooked, you like, your olfactory right. is going to remember that smell. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we should really have Danny on to talk about um, about the like smell component. Oh. He taught me about this um, with lamb. I oh. love lamb. He should come on and talk about lamb because yeah. I've never done that. I'd be interested to see his yeah, take on it. He does. Uh, my Spanish is really bad at this point in my life, but the cierto a la cruz, the like lamb on a cross that. Mm-hmm. He learned how to cook when he he served a mission in in Argentina, and that was a really big thing. Mm-hmm. But I really like lamb. The rest of my family doesn't, and part of it is just the smell. Like it's such a, it has a very pungent aroma to it. Mm. He's like, just go outside and eat it, and it's so much better. Really? Yeah. And he was cooking some one day. He called me over, and I went over, and it was fantastic. But it, you had to eat it outside, huh? Yeah, just because it, the your smell plays such a big part of how things taste hmm. that, you know, back to this conversation of starter fluid, like I don't care where it is. If anyone in a three block radius starts charcoal with, with lighter fluid, yeah, you can smell it and you know what it's going to like. It's a little bit of the smell of summer, right? Right, right. They could just like make that as a cologne and I would wear it because yeah. heck yeah. <laughs> but it you smell that and then you go to eat a burger that was covered in it and it's you're like, eh I know what that is. See, and that makes sense to me because I'll start my charcoal. I always just use a chimney and throw some tumbleweeds underneath or wax cubes or cardboard, whatever you want to use. And in my mind, there's always some sort of a I mean, it's not super strong and it's not disgusting, but I always get kind of a hint of a chemical-y thing. And I wonder if maybe that's it. I'm just remembering 
lighter fluid or whatever. And I don't get that with lump. Lump, I don't. Huh. And it, maybe it's all in my head. But what I like to do is mix them half and half. That way, at least in my dumb brain, I get the consistency of briquettes. I get the performance and the taste of the um, lump. And I don't know. In my mind, that's what that's what I shoot for, at least. Nice. So. I, best of both worlds. Can't argue that. Yeah. So I guess in the argument of briquettes over lump, my answer is both, which kind of destroys the argument. But that's where I'm at. Um, anyway, so with drums, you'll use charcoal and then, uh, throw a couple of chunks of wood on your charcoal to kind of create your smoke. So I like to use apple or pe pecan is kind of my go-to. I love pecan wood. I feel like it goes, I got, I bought a bag because I was smoking some trout and word on the street was it was the best wood with fish. And it, I mean, it was great. And then I started using it for almost everything. And so I don't hickory and, and mesquite. I'm just too scared to get it too because those have pretty strong flavors. I'm a little worried that I would overdo it with those, but pecan, apple, peach, any of the fruit woods are pretty mild. And so I worry less about it with those, yeah. but no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of pecan wood. Yeah. That's uh that's become my go-to flavor and it, it's just really versatile. You can use it for everything, and mm -hmm. I'm not one to like change the pellets out on my pellet grill, unless unless I've got a mesquite in there, or and then I'm going to bake. Mm -hmm. Like it's got to be a very potent difference to get me to change it. Pecans yeah. just it's great, it's good flavor, it's good on everything. Yeah, can't go wrong with. With pecan. I'm a big fan. Those are the pellets I use too, and, and those are the chunks that I use most. So, nice. Um, anyway, we I feel like we could have a whole conversation about different types of wood, but my experience is mostly just with pecan. But that's where the smoke flavor comes from. Um, I've talked about this, I feel like, on every episode. It's not really a flex, but I built my own drum. But there are some really good commercial ones out there. Um, if you were into it, the pit barrel cooker is one of the top. I mean, people really like it. You can hang your meat, you can get racks, right? I mean, you have one. I've got one. It's, it's just such a value product. Mm -hmm. Like they're 300 bucks. I think, um, powder coated, like hold up. We live in Northern Utah. It snows, it rains, it's 105 degrees in the summer, like, mm -hmm. and it just sits out on my deck under a cover, and it's totally fine. Never had any issues with it, and it's really consistent and repeatable. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't have one. I want one. I think it'd be cool, but I also really like mine that I made. But there's also, have you heard of gateway drums? I haven't. Those seem like they're kind of the Cadillac of the drum world. Like, it, they're made with... A heavier steel than you would get just on a barrel um, and they're powder coated and they've you know they've got really cool I don't know they've got cool designs they've got a nice hinge on their lid they're just kind of if I were to buy a drum and I love making them like I'm not saying like it's so hard I never like I really enjoy the process but if I ever were to buy a drum that's probably what I'd go for but they're a little spendy for what 
Oh, I have get. seen these. I'm just looking at this. Yeah. Seems like how much are they? Seems like they're like a thousand bucks or something. Uh yeah, twelve, twelve hundred, nine hundred, depending on the the size and features you're gonna get. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like for consistency's sake, that would probably be a lot better than a homemade one. But I love the process of of making one and so that's kind of what I stick with. So anyway. Uh, and then there's also the kits you can buy. Uh, Big Papa, I think, is the most popular. You can buy them. They just send you everything that you'll need. You just provide the barrel, and they have all of the intakes and exhausts and stuff like that. Big Papa, I think it's Big Papa DIY kits. and They're pretty sweet, too. But, you know, with a little ingenuity, you can really make one of these work for pretty cheap. And they're a lot of fun to cook on. I, like I say, they are consistent and they will hold a temperature. But in my mind at least, and I'll even put foil over my fire basket sometimes just to kind of keep the direct heat from right on the meat. But I feel like it would be hard to go super long. Because even though the temperature is down, that heat has got to be a little bit different than like an offset. Where it's not directly under the meat. In my opinion. I'm no thermo scientist, but... Yeah, what's the what's the longest cook you've done in one of yours? So I did a pork butt for, uh, well, my plan was to do it for like eight to ten hours, but it cooked in six, I think, six or seven, and that's the longest one I've ever done. I've learned a lot since then, and I wonder if I could tune it down a little bit and make it last a little bit longer and have a lower heat but that's the lowest one i did but i still feel like that direct heat has got to be different even if it's the same temperature it's got to perform differently than the heat not being underneath it i don't know but no i think it i think it definitely would yeah and i so i guess we've been talking about drums if we shift to offsets are we going to shift mm-hmm. yeah so, i think so so drums, it's a vertical chamber, mm-hmm. and offset, the heat is, I'm making quote signals like everyone in podcast land can see what I'm doing, um, is offset to the side. You've got a firebox on the side, mm-hmm. then you've got a cooking chamber, and then a smokestack, and where that smokestack is depends on the type of offset it is, whether it's a reverse flow or a direct flow. Right. Um, but as I understand it... One of the big differences is is the like the moisture and humidity that you can keep in the cooking chamber, mm-hmm. and the longer you keep moisture in the cooking chamber, the more smoke flavor you can absorb, and the the longer you take to to you know infuse it with smoke and build the bark. Mm-hmm. So, and it's got to be different just not having the heat right under the cooking chamber and just kind of passing through it versus right, right underneath it. Like, you're just not going to have as much moisture in there, I've got to think. Yeah, that, I mean, I agree. That's kind of what I'm thinking the biggest difference must have been. Yeah. So, these offsets, I read, were likely created. I don't know if anybody knows for sure, but they were likely created early in Oklahoma, Texas, out in the oil fields. In God's country. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You were, what was that quote? You were, you're born a Texan. You can move to Texas, but you have to you, be born you can, in Texas. 
you can become an American and you can move to Texas, but you have to be born a Texan. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> the arrogance. Whatever. Seriously. <laughs> um, anyway, they, uh, so that's kind of what I read is, is those people were, they were used to barbecue, but they're so far out in the middle of nowhere. There were probably tons of pipe and barrels laying around and these welders probably just welded one together and started using that and were like, Hey, this works all right. And it worked just like those pits of old that they used to do where they built the fire, had a tunnel going into the cooking chamber. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how they were born. And there are two different types, the cross flow and the reverse flow or cross flows like the standard in my research. Cause I'm, I mean, and maybe we'll talk about this a lot more on another episode, but I'm, I'm trying to kind of build one right now. And in a lot of research, I'm not seeing as much of the reverse flow as I feel like I used to. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? Which one's better based on what you've seen? So I've never, I've never cooked on one. So this is all just based on like research and reading. I, I think the reverse flow was originally designed for the like really low and slow cooks Mm -hmm. because you were, you're trying to keep temperatures down. And if like everyone can imagine this, like you've got your firebox off to the side and then you've got a cooking chamber and the heat and the smoke comes into the bottom of the cooking chamber. That's a, think of like a, a big propane tank laying on its side, right? Mm-hmm. And it comes in under a deflector plate and it travels all the way down the cooking chamber and then it hits the wall and then it comes back and kind of floats through and then it would come back out on the same side as the... As the firebox. That's the reverse mm-hmm. flow. Yeah. So usually when you see these, you have the firebox and the chimney on the same side, yep. right? Because they kind of... Yeah, that's the telltale sign. Wrong. Yeah. And then the the cross flow or what I think... Yeah, I think you're right. Most people are building now. Mm-hmm. Is a direct flow and the chimney's on the far side. There are enough big names doing it. I've got to think either it doesn't matter or the direct flow works better. See, and that's my thought exactly as I was looking. Because I'm going to have to re-put the chimney and the firebox. And I'm trying to decide. I'm going to work on it a little bit today too. Where to put it. And I've just kind of decided, like you said, enough people that obviously have probably done a lot more research than me are using just the direct cross flow that maybe it either doesn't matter or it's going to work fine either way. Yeah. So. So, you're building one. Tell us a little bit about this backstory. Like okay. You started to, and it, like, I'm still green with envy. Yeah, we might as well go into it. Me and John have talked about this for a while. We've been looking for propane tanks and, and you know, anything that we could just build our own offset smoker with, uh, which is kind of funny. Yesterday, I was looking at a Facebook ad, and I was going to send it to you. The guy just had a huge 250-gallon propane tank as the picture. And I was just going to send it to you. It just said propane Is tank this the guy and $100. Down in Fillmore? Uh, he was in Malad, I think. Anyway, I click on it, and it says, read before messaging. I'm looking for one of these. I was like, bro, that's that's messed up. You We're all looking that. for yeah, one. Yeah, everybody's looking for one. You're not special. Anyway, so <clears throat> we've been talking about this. My dad 
never gets on Facebook really, but for some reason, one day right before Christmas, he was looking on Facebook and a guy in his ward was selling a smoker, just an old smoker that somebody had hobbled together, which is what I'm talking about. Um, and it was made out of an old boiler tank. Like you had, you could see all the, the, I don't know if they're carriage bolts or whatever that were all around it looked way awesome. Um, and the guy was like, Hey, my wife just wants this out of my garage. It was a project turned into a little bit more. Um, so come and, you know, uh, you know, 50 bucks is all I'm asking. And my dad messaged him immediately. Like he texted me, I was at work. He texted me. He was like, Hey, are you interested in this? It was right around Christmas. I had spent more money than I'm was comfortable with on Christmas for everybody wasn't a good time for me to just be dropping cash. And I knew my wife might be a little upset if I brought home another smoker. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, it looks fine. I don't really have the money for it right now. Well, I think my dad was asking, um, for my sake because he's like, well, come over and look at it. So I went over, looked at it, loved it. They had pulled it off a trailer. It had two chimneys and then like a dual firebox underneath. Do you know Ooh, what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, um, the problem was the firebox was all rusted out and I wondered how difficult it would be to keep those consistent. So anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. But so I was talking with my mom, she's like, well, do you want it? And I was like, well, I do. But, um, you know, if dad wants it, that's totally fine. She's like, well, we'll just get it for you for Christmas. That's just what we'll do. I was like, okay. I love your mom. No, dude, seriously. They get me. I was so excited. So anyway, um, my dad's a photographer. I love him. Taught me how to be a man. Taught me all about life. But my father-in-law is a farmer and he has torches and welders and the knowledge to do all that stuff. So we picked it up and just immediately sent it out to, well, sent it by, by send it. I mean, we heaved it up in my truck and drove it out to my uh, wife's parents. He's got a big shop. He's got all these tools. And so it's sitting out there First thing I did was take off the firebox that was beneath it. I tried to do some research as to why you would do that. Seemed like it was popular back in the day, but not so much anymore. Everybody's got offsets now. So, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I I just pulled that firebox off, and I'm just planning to do just kind of a traditional offset on the side. Clean up a lot of rust, replace some of the metal. Um, still kind of working as as far as design goes. Kind of making it up as we go, but... It's a blast. I'm excited to cook on it, but it's been it's been a lot of work, but it's been a lot of fun. So that's awesome. I was telling John before we started, like all my experiences with drums, everything on offset has been research that we've done. So I'm excited to actually get into it, and maybe I'll hate it, but I doubt it. Well, and this is the thing about offsets, like drums, you can get into pretty like pretty cheap. Yeah. Even buying one at $1,000, $1,000 for a cooker is not that much money right. in this space. Yeah. Um, the the offset world, like the low end is five grand. Yeah. And it is not hard to get into five figures. Yeah. Especially and for something big. Mm-hmm. Or something that's going to cook for a lot of people, and you can get, we, you can get the entry level ones at Walmart or Lowe's, um, but they're just, from what I've read, they're so thin, they're not very efficient, they lose a lot of heat, 
Brinkman. Yeah. I wasn't going to say it. All right. You and your brand war can do whatever you got to do. But, and I've thought about buying those, but everything that I've researched has just said, Hey, it's, it's not worth it. Like if you get one for free, awesome. There's some modifications you can do to it to make it a little more efficient, but those ones just don't perform the same as these more expensive ones. Yeah. And and that's a good call out because I think there are some more entry level like the Oklahoma Joes yeah. and like mm-hmm. that are better, better rigs. They're a couple hundred bucks, mm-hmm. but they're small. Yeah. And and if I'm gonna do an offset and I'm gonna like be doing that much work, like it's gonna be a couple hundred gallon drum that I can cook a lot of food for a lot of people on. Right. But yeah. that's like that's where I'm at with my barbecue experience is I want something that I can put ten briskets on and feed two hundred people. Yeah. Which most people are like, why would you ever want to do that? But like <laughs> I love the big cooks. I love the um I love that experience. And you've done a little bit of catering, haven't you? I haven't really done huge things. I mean, I've helped you with the with the pig and a couple other things. But Yeah, I mean I I often find myself cooking at church functions. Um, my friends' kids across the street got married. I did their wedding. That was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, I've done enough to know that it's fun, and I'll do it for friends and family. But also, like, it's probably not what I want to do as a yeah as a full time job. Like right catering, like food service in general. Like I don't think people give it enough credit. Like that is hard work. It is and getting things to come together all at the same time is like, it's challenging. It's not something that you just read a book and you can pull off. Right. And I think, I mean, the volume of food that you have to cook is a completely different animal. And you also have to work with pleasing people, which I'm like, yeah, that's not my cup of tea. Yeah. I probably won't tell the story on the podcast, but I'll tell you a story about one of the caterings that I did. It was insane. Dude. (laughs) You can't just say that. People are going to be upset. All of our listeners are going to be so sad. I will evaluate the risk in telling the story. (laughs) When we get 5,000 subscribers, John will tell the story. How about that? Yeah, we... uh, As long as the client is not one of the subscribers. Yeah, we live in a small community. (laughs) Word will get around. Word will get around. Well, anyway, um, we talked about some of the commercial models available for this for the um, drums i just i mean some of the ones that i saw for offsets i mean there there's tons and they're all wonderful some have been around for you know i was gonna say decades some of these names that you have here on on this list these are like the founders of barbecue in my mind like these are the people that why we have a barbecue industry yeah who started making them for people Yoder, we talked about Yoder. You mm-hmm. said they're like everybody's grandpa. You don't yeah. question them. Yeah, Yoder, Lang is on here, mm-hmm. Jambo. Like, when you walk around the big barbecue competitions, mm-hmm. not like our little local ones. No. Like Memphis the and May. City blocks the, of. Yeah. yeah. These are the names you see, and people spend tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on these smokers. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that Meat Church uses Mill Scale a lot, which I'd never heard of. They must be newer, but 
I was looking at some of his stuff, and he's got yeah. a lot of mill scale stuff. They do all kinds of different grills, but yeah, they're a local Texas company that I think it, that are close to him, and he's got a relationship with that. They seem like they've got really great grills. Yeah, um, never used any of them, obviously, but mm. I and I. That's one of the cool things about barbecue. Like, I desperately want to go on, like, a barbecue road trip. Mm-hmm. Because every part of the country has their own flavor, their own process. Their pits are a little bit different. Right. Um, yeah, they're, we've got a couple of places in Utah. And you can tell where the guys came from. Yeah. Like whether it's whether it's Texas or you know Alabama or Georgia, like North Carolina seems to have more of a vinegary type. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, um, I feel like that's about all we're qualified to say about those two types. But how do you decide what to buy first, John? Oh man, this is. This is a question that I probably get asked more than anything. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, it. I drive around with a, a sticker on the back of my truck that says Hayden Barbecue, and my license plate is literally BBQ. That's awesome, by the way. That was my birthday present this year, and <laughs> I am not ashamed of it. Like, I'm super proud of my custom vanity license plate. Um, so yeah, people know I love barbecue. They ask me this all the time. Like I'm just getting started. And I think a lot of it is what is what is the experience you want to have? What kind of food do you want to cook? Mm-hmm. And what's your budget? Because if you want the I'm going to sit by the fire and tend it and be sitting in the smoke and like I want this to be all consuming for me. Mm-hmm. Like I think a drum's a great option. I think an offset's a great option. Um, if you've only got five hundred bucks, like you're probably not buying an offset, right? Um, and that's okay. Yeah. Like I, I mean, st- I started with my forty dollar Brinkman, and like it got me going. Yeah, free drum or even these pellet grills. Which I mean, you can spend a lot of money on a pellet grill, but you can eat good barbecue off of a you know, $500 camp chef pellet but, grill or something. And you don't have to buy the top of the line. And yeah. that's like, that's one of the conversations that, that you have. Like, yes, the grills are expensive. You can spend thousands of dollars. Um, you know, you can start around, I think they start around three or $400 and they go up mm-hmm. to a couple thousand dollars, depending on the size and features and the brand that you want to have. Right. Um, so I think that's the conversation. If you, like if you want to be able to eat great food, but you don't have the time to sit there and tend and stoke a fire and you know manage heat all day, like pellet grills are great. Yeah. Like I don't care what anyone says, it's real barbecue. It tastes great. It's wood fired. Mm-hmm. Like it's fantastic. Let technology work for you. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I tell everyone is is once you make that decision, buy the biggest one you can afford. Mm. Why? having a bigger grill, especially like with pellet grills, they're like, Oh, but I'm going to use so many more pellets. You're not going to use that many more pellets. No, they're pretty efficient. And the fuel cost is so minimal that you will never regret having extra room. But I guarantee you, even when 
even when I had four huge grills, mm-hmm. you know, at one point I had, I had both of those 34s that I talked about last time uh-huh. and I had my Ironwood 885 and then I had borrowed another one because I was doing a big cook. Like I had, you know, what, like 2,500 square inches of cooking space. Mm-hmm. And I was still like, man, I really wish I had room for one more pork shoulder. Yeah. Hmm. Now, most people aren't going to need four grills cooking like that, but right. you're going to want to do a turkey and like, it'd be great to like have your turkey and be able to put your ham out there or right. be able to... Or a side or yeah, something. Yeah, put a side or yeah. something out there that you will always have, you will always be able to find something else to put out there. Mm-hmm. I have never had anyone be like, oh, it's just too what big. I can't, with all like, this what am I going to do with this? Yeah. Um, but I have talked to several people and like I did it. Like I, I was broke. I bought a $300, 22 inch Traeger mm-hmm. and it was great. And it, like every third or fourth cook, I was like, Ugh. like, I wish I could get just a little bit more on here or like, yeah. Oh, this brisket's really big. I'm not sure it's actually going <laughs> to fit touching the sides and, yeah. yeah. So buy the biggest one you can, but decide what experience you want to have. And like, that's a personal choice. That's, it all leads to great food, but you need to understand the experience you're signing up for mm-hmm. and then commit to it. Yeah. I love that. And I, I mean, we kind of talked about this with the pig. I love the process, like just tending a fire for, the whole entirety of the cook, like that just sounds so fun to me. Whereas other people might just be like, I just want to eat good food and that's fine. In my opinion, you would just, I mean, if you're just starting out, get what you can afford. If you don't have a ton of money to drop, I mean, if you've got gobs of money just sitting there, buy something nice because your experience is going to be easier, mm-hmm. better. But if you're just starting out, start with something that you can afford and start doing it and see what you like. I feel like you you won't know until you're in there. You know, maybe you're not into tending the fire the whole time and you want just something you can set and forget or vice versa, you know. But in in my opinion, you start with what you can afford, see if you like it and then full send. Like, yeah. You know, it, when once you're into it, like I feel like at this point this is what I'm into. Like it's you know, I, we talked about this the first episode, tried a bunch of different hobbies. They kind of, you know, flame out eventually this I'm, I'm pretty into. So I'm, I mean, extra money. I'm going to start saving for, for this specifically. If you got a lot of other stuff going on, maybe, you know, maybe a pellet grill is the best for you or, or just something that you use occasionally. So, yeah. Well, what, Maybe this is an unfair question to the guy who's like rebuilding an offset in his in his father in law's <laughs> shop, but I mean, you are into this, I'm into this, like what's next on the list? I feel like there's always something, even when you have Oh yeah. What's the next thing you want? I talked about I'd like a gateway drum, but I've got plenty of drums. I do want a, a big green egg. I wanna try those Kamado Kamado Komodo. I think it's Komodo. I feel like Komodo is like the bathroom or something. Komodo must be the... I don't know. I don't, know. I don't speak Japanese. Uh, anyway, 
I want to try those. I like the idea of the ceramic and the insulated. Um, I mean, I've heard really good things. I've heard pizza's amazing. Really? I have not heard that, but I can imagine. Because they're so well insulated, you can get those things screaming hot. Ooh. Huh. Well, and I mean, that's kind of on my list. I would love one day to have a Jambo trailer. I don't feel like I could ever justify the expense. Um, you know, I mean, those are what the competition circuit barbecue guys have, the caterers, the, um, but I've seen them. I love them. They look amazing. That's my pipe dream. But if I never get one, that's fine. But that's kind of what I'm shooting for. What about you? What's next? I think it's a big offset. Yeah. Like that's, that's what my sights are set on. And yeah, I'd love to have a Lang or, or a Jambo or like, Mm -hmm have one that's someone who really knows what they're doing right um i think it's tmg pits is a they're an instagram account that they're out of nashville that i love looking at their stuff Mm -hmm. um but i think i'll probably build one first yeah that's just the only way i'm gonna afford it i think yeah um but yeah i i'd love to have 150 200 gallon offset that i can do big cuts cooks on put it on a trailer and Mm -hmm. drag it around town and you know go to events and and cook so yeah i think that's probably the next one if uh if anyone's got a big propane tank in northern utah that they're looking to get rid of uh hit me hit me in the in the comments yep happy to happy to talk to you about that if you've got two even better you already have one mike don't be greedy oh well you're right i'm sorry (laughs) <laughs> well you got anything else you want to no i uh i'm excited i think next time we're i think we're gonna talk about a about a cook yeah we're, uh, i like to get my kids involved with me and even my wife mm-hmm. try and like pull them into the experience so we have started going on what we call city slicker hunts oh because you uh you can't just go outside and shoot stuff anymore. That's frowned upon. Um, even here in in northern conservative Utah, that's people get upset when you do that. So yeah, we'll we'll go on a city slicker hunt this afternoon over to the local Costco or Sam's Club and pick a protein, have our hunt. Nice. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that next time. I think we'll go through that experience. What we picked, what we made, how we chose flavors, sides, the whole thing. Love it. I think that sounds awesome. Okay, well, as always, like, subscribe, do the things. Press the little red button. Press the button. Okay. Uh, And we'll see you next time. It's Fat Guys with Smokers. Absolutely. Fat Guys with Smokers, Mike and John. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Fat Guys with Smokers podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe so you don't forget to tune in for even more nonsense from a couple of bad guys with smokers. Don't forget to like, subscribe.